0: I would like to introduce you all to Keith Kateski. Um, Keith is a missionary church pastor and uh, used to pastor at Avalon in Fort Wayne. And recently, was it the beginning of this school year?
1: Or has it been longer than that? It's been a year ago that I started at Man, Bethel. Man, yeah. time
0: flies. Crazy. He, he actually moved from, from Avalon and Fort Wayne to Bethel, where he's been the director of church relations. And I've had a little bit of a chance to get to know Keith and, and thought this would be a great opportunity for us to renew our, our commitment, our ties to Bethel College. Uh, you will notice on your bulletin, if you take that real quick before I turn Keith loose, uh, if you open up just the front flap, you'll see a picture of the helm at Bethel and uh, some ways that we can renew our commitment to Bethel College. One, one way that I'm, I'm a little jealous, I didn't do this when I was yeah I was I crammed four years into eight at Bethel. Awesome. I wish I would have done this one of those years, one of our shining stars absolutely well, they call me Tripie I, <laughs> three de, three degrees and, and, uh, and poor when I left awesome. but um, uh, an opportunity to make to bake cookies. For the student stream final week. You can read about that here. We've been talking about that. I wanted to put a face with the name. This kind of comes from Keith's office. He's saying this is a great way for churches to continue to connect with the school and and with students and to let them know that there's a there's an entire community of believers who stands behind them. You also notice there uh, an information about a free basketball game in January, Beulah Day with the Bethel Pilots. You can read about those. Um, but today we want to just take an opportunity to hear from Keith. You're not only the director of church relations, but starting in January, mm-hmm. you have become a professor of Christian ministry. Mm-hmm. Right now, you're teaching a class on homiletics, uh, which is preaching. So this better be good. Today. I was just going
1: to say you probably shouldn't tell people that. That yeah, puts well, the pressure on. Like, yeah, I, I invited I was, I was some of your students. That some of my students might come today, and I invited and, uh, them to come and, and, and grade see grade me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: but but they didn't. So we'll send them a video recording. Um, awesome. But with Keith today is his wife, Leanne. Ann, and we're so glad you're here. Um, we have a couple of children. Kristen is a freshman at Bethel. Yes. Uh, she's studying math education. Great. Kudos to her. Awesome. And, uh, and Tyler is a junior at Taylor Great. studying Great. international studies and political science. Right. So... Perhaps politics are in his future? Could be someday,
1: yeah. He talks about working overseas somewhere, um, maybe for the State Department or a non-governmental organization or a mission organization, so we'll see what happens.
0: excellent. God has people in every profession and ought to, in my opinion. So let me pray with you, then we're going to turn you loose. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Keith. Uh, We want to thank you for the work that you're doing at Bethel College. Uh, We know that you continue to raise up young men and women, not only to serve as pastors and missionaries, but to serve in every field uh, imaginable. And so we ask that you'd continue to do that. Lord, we, we thank you for Keith and his role there as he is taking a more active hand in training up uh, pastors for churches. We pray that you continue to give him wisdom and discernment as he does that. As he brings your word today, Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts and that we would uh, be listening for your voice to speak clearly to us so that we can continue to become more like Jesus Christ. We pray these things in your name. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. And I'm excited about the shrimpics. I want to get in on that next year if there's any way I can, uh, I can be a part of that. Because I think I can take you, man. I can. <laughs> awesome. Let me just say a word of thanks to you from Bethel College. We appreciate the support. I know we have alumni here, we have friends of, uh, of the college here as well, perhaps uh, some families who have students there, and, uh, and a church that just uh, stands behind uh, what we're doing at Bethel College. And we want to say a big thank you to you. We can't do that uh, without the support of others. We can't fulfill a mission. We like to say at Bethel that, uh, that we actually have kind of a, a crazy, bold kind of vision, uh, that we actually say in our mission statement that uh, that we're shaping in, in our community of learners, we're shaping leaders who will be leaders in their church and in the world. And the notion that we actually uh, believe that uh, that we will have an impact on the world as God works through our graduates is uh, is kind of crazy bold. It's uh, it, it's courageous and uh, and ambitious. And yet we believe that as God works through the support of churches like you who stand behind that mission, as God works in the lives of students as they're spiritually formed on campus, that He's shaping lives that will have an impact, and then. Are sent out to have uh, to, to really change the lives uh, as God works, as God's Spirit works through the people uh, there. Wanted to give you just a quick glimpse this morning of that, just a short two minute video that gives you a glimpse into the lives of two of our students one who just graduated uh, this last May, another one who, uh, who will be graduating this coming May, and already the impact that you're beginning to see not only in their lives as God works there, but through their lives through others. A quick glimpse at Bethel's impact. I'm living in the Keller Park neighborhood of South Bend, Indiana, doing our urban ministry experience. So I've been there since fall semester, and I'll do the entire school year there. And that's that's dramatically shaped me because I'm I'm living in this under-resourced community. I'm seeing I'm seeing seeing poverty in a way I've never seen it. But I've, I'm also interacting with those living in poverty and and understanding more what what would it look like to live in the community and serve rather than just going and then leaving. These are my brothers and sisters in Christ and if they're if they're suffering in this way, is there anything that I can do to help them? And maybe maybe how can I be helped by these people too? That's a a world impact in itself. I always knew I wanted to do overseas missions of some sort and um, I saw South Africa as an option. I was like, sign me up. And um, I had no idea how that would impact me down the road. It's, it's a different thing to experience God when you're in the unfamiliar. God's just shown me uh, that my faith isn't just for myself, it's for other people. And it's all been because of opportunities I've had here at Bethel. catch a short glimpse of, uh, of just two lives in which God has worked through what happens at Bethel College. We like to say that we could spend uh, hours talking to you, sharing with you about some of the academic programs that that are there, and I'd be happy to do that in person if you'd like to hear more about that. We've added programs, for example, in applied politics, because we believe, uh, particularly in light of, of, you know, we're kind of in the midst, kind of coming off the election year, uh, but we believe that it's important to have strong, committed believers in Jesus who are having influence in government and in what's happening there. And so we want to shape students who will have that kind of impact we have added a major and a minor in worship arts. for uh, That was actually in response to what churches were telling us. Students who, uh, who were interested in uh, serving as worship leaders, worship pastors in the churches where they serve, and so they can come and, and get a major in worship arts, or if they, uh, if they have an interest vocationally in something else but could see themselves perhaps leading worship as a volunteer or a part-time worship leader in their church, they can also minor in worship arts. We've had connections with a producer in, uh, in Nashville on that. Our students uh, last year, uh, produced a CD of worship music. Uh, all but one of the songs on the CD were written, original works written by our students, songs, uh, some of which are getting, uh, getting sung as a part of the worship in, uh, in churches around the nation. And so we have, we have strong programs in a, in a number of academic areas, but, but really where we believe is that we're, we're shaping those academic experiences in the context of spiritual development. We're shaping hearts and lives after Jesus himself, and, uh, and then seeing that unleashed Uh, whether it's in uh, the Keller Park neighborhood of South Bend, whether it's in Goshen or uh, or in South Africa or somewhere else around the world, we believe that God is going to have a tremendous impact through students who are being shaped there. Many of you may know that Bethel has a strong commitment to the idea of serving, uh, shaping hearts that are really after that of Jesus Himself. And so uh, Bethel emphasizes a heart of service, and, and we shape our students in that way. We do an annual uh, service day every fall. We did it in early October this year. We had over 900 people from Bethel College, students, faculty, and staff serving in over 50 uh, area nonprofit organizations for the day, just donating time, serving, some of which were religious in nature, others, others like the zoo, where we were helping out and being an influence in a place maybe that isn't overtly Christian, but where we can have that witness through the, uh, through the servant, servant's heart of Jesus, uh, through our students. So, uh, just know that God is doing some cool things there. If you're ever interested in knowing more, you can get in touch with me there at Bethel College. You can, uh, you can drop by. We'd love to show you around campus, introduce you to some students. Love to see you come to the basketball game, uh, coming up and, uh, and join with us in celebrating with our basketball team. And, uh, and certainly thank you for, uh, providing cookies. I'm, uh, I'm anticipating that I'll need to help provide some extra encouragement to those students on those days. And, uh, and certainly sample uh, what is being provided so we can ensure that it's of high quality. But uh, uh, in some ways, it may seem to you a small thing, but, but our students during finals week are facing kind of a stressful time. And for some of them in particular, exams provide that extra anxiety. And so uh, Rachel Kennedy, our director of our learning center there, uh, came to me and said, "How? how are, maybe there's some ways that we can help um, utilize a connection with churches in a way that also encourages our students. And she said, I'd love to have some cookies there. And so we reached out to a number of area churches, and you were gracious enough uh, to step forward and help. So thank you in advance uh, for the cookies that you'll provide, and I'll look forward to... Uh, Maybe sampling some of those. We have information about Bethel out on the table, out in the lobby area after service. If you want to stop by and pick up, in particular, our Pride Points brochure just highlights some of the great things that God is doing in and through our students, our faculty, our alumni, and just you can catch a glimpse of what's happening there. But today I want to invite you to turn to Psalm 107 with me as, uh, as we dive into the Word together and take a look at what God would have for us there. Psalm 107. I'm not going to read the entire Psalm and some of you just breathe the sigh of relief. Whew. That's a lot of verses there Keith but uh, but I do want to highlight one key verse that actually shows up over and over again and maybe kind of just reference uh, certain areas of the psalm as we walk through this call to Thanksgiving together. Because it is, as Pastor Earl has already noted, it is the week when many of us will be gathering around with family. We will, uh, we will eat maybe not shrimp, but, uh, but certainly turkey and uh, dressing and potatoes and maybe some other things, maybe shrimp uh, for some of us who are particularly into seafood. We'll uh, share the uh, cranberry sauce that's shaped like a can uh, together and uh, probably indulge in some football in the afternoon. But at some point, I'm guessing, during that, week, uh, I'm anticipating that some of you will, uh, will gather around and talk in conversation, and whether formally or informally, you'll, uh, you'll begin to share some of those things that you're thankful for. And as Pastor Earl said, hopefully followers of Christ aren't just thankful on that one day of the year, but it is, it is a season in which our attention turns to this issue of thankfulness. And I want to simply ask one word as the jumping off point this morning for our thoughts together from Psalm 107. And that's simply why. Why would we do that? Why is that important? Now, Psalm 107, as I hinted already, is a, is a call to thanksgiving. It begins with verse 1 Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his love endures forever. And the many verses that follow after verse 1 all highlight uh, what God has done and, and, and reinforce this call to give thanks. But I want you to know that I was that kid growing up. I was that kid that was always asking that question that parents become annoyed by at some point. Why? Why that? And then parents come back with this response, well, well why that? And then another response, and then, well, why that? And there usually comes a breaking point for parents, right? And the degree to which the spiritual fruit of patience is flourishing in our lives determines whether that happens on the second why or the third why or about number 15 or 16 or 17. But there usually comes a point as a parent, and I pushed my parents to that point so many times as a little kid. Now, God has a sense of humor, right? And so when I had two children... I found that there came this phase in their lives where they, too, would ask that question. Well, why? Well, why? And that question echoed in the back of my mind as I read through and studied Psalm 107 over the last couple of weeks in preparation today. If, if my kid were here, they're older now, but let's assume that they're still three, and they were here and they said to, you said to them, well, we're going to give thanks this week. We're going to be thankful. We're going to share about what we have thankful for. And my kid would say, well, why? And what would be your response? Why is it that people would do something like that? Now, before you get too uncomfortable, please know that I think that being thankful is actually a good thing, and I believe that the call that Psalm 107 uh, calls us to, to to give thanks is a good thing, but, um, but what I want to become clear to us over the course of, of unpacking Psalm 107 around this question of why is the idea that thankfulness really is important, that it's critical, that it's essential. It is, a, it is an important element in the life of those who follow Jesus. Now, Psalm 107 unpacks a lot of things that God has done on behalf of His people, but in particular, I want you to look with me at verse 8 today, or you could look at verse 15, or you could look at verse 21, or you could look at verse 31 if you want. You pick. They're all the same. They are a recurring refrain here, and that's what I want you to see today. Let them, the psalmist says, let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds for mankind. I want you to understand here that it's not just the idea that we should kind of be thankful just in general, but there's something distinctively different about a Christ follower and how they experience thankfulness. Because they're not just thankful, but they're thankful to. Notice that emphasis on the Lord. Let them give thanks to the Lord. The philosopher Cornelius Plantinga, I I can never say that name right, Cornelius, uh, wrote this at one point a few years ago. It must be a rather odd feeling to be thankful to nobody in particular. Like Christians in public institutions often see this odd thing happening on Thanksgiving Day. Everyone in the institution just seems to be thankful in general. They're just thankful. He said, that strikes me as a believer as rather strange, for no one seems to be just kind of married in general, right? right? Marriage by kind of its definition involves an object, you're married to someone and and thankfulness likewise is similar. Thankfulness has an object. We're thankful excuse me, we're thankful to the Lord. Give let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. We are thankful to him. Which raises the question, well, why would that be? Other than it would acknowledge, perhaps, that God has done something for us. But even then, if we push the kid thing again, why is that so important for us? And so the psalmist goes on in Psalm 107 to spend time talking about those wonderful deeds that God has done for mankind. And in the first section there, in verses four through nine, he talks about how God did wonderful deeds for those who were traveling through the harshness of the desert. And in the next section, in verses 10 through 16, he talks about how God broke the bondage of those who were in prison, imprisoned even as a result of their rebelliousness and sin. In verses 17 through 22, in the third section of this psalm, he talks about the struggles, uh, or what God did really, for those who were struggling with illness, who needed healing, as we celebrated earlier this morning. And in the last section of this psalm, in verses 23 through 32, he talks about how God intervened on behalf of those who were facing a serious, even life-threatening, struggle in a storm at sea. And at the end of each one of those sections of the psalm, we find this refrain. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds for mankind. So why then should we do that? Why is it that we tell? Why is it that that we should emphasize or highlight or celebrate these kind of deeds? It's more than just kind of an annual practice, but it actually has an important role to play in the life of the believer and beyond them, in the life of those around them, as it points to God Himself. Essentially, This would be the first part of our answer to a child's question, why? You see, thankfulness brings God glory by revealing and celebrating his nature, who God is. Thankfulness brings God glory by revealing and celebrating His nature. It helps us fulfill, in fact, one of the very reasons for which we were created, that we were created to, to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. If we borrow the words from the old Westminster Confession, part of, a big part of our role, if not the central part of our role in creation, right, is to glorify God, the one who is worthy of our glory and worship. And when we are thankful to Him for His wonderful deeds... Then we point people to the fact that God is involved, that God is doing things. We point them to who God is in all of that. We point people, for example, to God's unfailing love, which is a key part of that refrain. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. Now, in Hebrew, this is the word chesed, which is really fun to say, right? And if you say it several times in a row to your neighbor uh, across the table at lunch today, you'll get it all over them, right? Or all over the food that they had before. Chesed. But it's it's a word that is extremely hard for us to translate into English because it, it has a number of different aspects of words that we would have. It includes this idea, as you might expect, of love, And it includes this idea of of a love that is dependable, radically dependable. It's unfailing. But it also also includes the idea of mercy and compassion, really of an undeserved kind of thing, of grace, right, in all of that. And it also includes this this idea of loyalty, like that that faithful, loyal companion that you can count on no matter what, no matter how dark it gets, no matter how tough it gets, no matter how how many people give up on you. The person who has chesed for you is the person you know is going to be there no matter what. So you take all of those things and you wrap them up into one word. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about God's chesed or his unfailing love. It's a word that's used almost exclusively to describe the love of God. Not the love that we tend to have for each other because we often fall short of that. And as good as our love is, even for those relationships for whom we have the greatest of love, we often fall short of that. But God's love is marked by this loyalty. And throughout those four circumstances that the psalmist highlights in Psalm 107, every time there's an emphasis on how God's unfailing love was, uh, was was unfolded there for the experience of the psalmist. Thankfulness really matters, right? Because it highlights and celebrates. It reveals God's unfailing love. People need to know that about God. But it also reveals God's mercy and his compassion, right a part of that a part of that phrase is this idea of mercy and compassion of uh, and in some cases it's it's that sense of loving kindness that that thing that god does when you don't deserve it and if you look through later today you read through psalm 107 you'll find that in each of these circumstances god intervened in a way to meet the needs of the psalmist or those about whom he is writing in such a way that that he was responding in grace for a, a dire situation of distress in some cases in which they had caused themselves. He describes here a situation of bondage and imprisonment um, that, uh, that was caused by their rebelliousness. Even, even in the section here that's described of illness and uh, where they needed healing and where they were at the very gates of death itself, the hint here in, in that section of the psalm is that the illness itself was brought on by their own rebelliousness, by their own sinful choices. Not all illness is by, according to the word, but sometimes it is, and in this case it is. But in all of those situations, Of dire and absolute distress, God heard. He saw the need of those who followed him, and he intervened out of his mercy, right? Out of his mercy and compassion for what is there. One of my favorite moments in Scripture would seem to be odd to most people. In Exodus chapter 2, we're given a quick description at the end there of Exodus chapter 2 of the dire straits of the Hebrew people in slavery in Egypt. And they're crying out out of this sense of absolute distress and grief. And one of the great moments there is, is, is when we read in the very last verse of that chapter, verse 25. So God looked on the Israelites, and, he, and, the, and the phrasing here in this translation is a little weak, but, and he was concerned about them. That when God sees our situations of distress, some of those situations that Pastor Earl was praying for today and others that you know about perhaps, when, when, when those moments are happening in our lives, God's not blind to them. God, it's not that God doesn't care about them. In fact, we're reminded again that God sees them and his heart is moved with compassion, with mercy, with chesed, with that unfailing love for the situations that we have. We need to know that in those moments, don't we? When we feel like maybe God doesn't understand what's happening to me, thankfulness really matters because it reveals for us and for others God's mercy and His compassion in that. Thirdly, it reveals and celebrates God's power to deliver and transform. We live in a world that needs to see this perhaps more than it ever has before. A world that needs to know that, that, that God can do something, that, that God, the all-powerful creator God of the universe, is engaged in the matters of our everyday life, and he can change them. He can transform them. He can, he can bring exactly what is needed there. And if you look through Psalm 107, we don't have time this morning to, to unpack each of those, but in each case, God is showing his power in, in breaking the bonds of the prisoner, in bringing healing from the one who is at the very threshold of death with their illness. God is the one who stilled the sea in, a, in all of its roughness, a very frightening place if you're there in a storm. And in the midst of the desert, God made springs come forth. He did it in the lives of his people, Israel, and he, he does it. In fact, when we get to the end of this psalm, If we look at some of the verses there at the end, verses 33, 34, and 35, if you look there, we see that it says, God turned rivers into a desert. He flowed flowing springs into thirsty ground. He he could change, um, you know, whole means of the earth. He turned fruitful land into salt waste because of wickedness, but he turned deserts into pools of water. He brought forth uh, from the parched ground flowing springs. God has the power to do that. God has the power to do amazing things. Man, we were just reminded of that a few moments ago, right? Of a tremendous work of healing that God has done. He doesn't choose to do that in every one of those situations, and God works in different ways, and we recognize that, but God is a God of power, and he unleashes that, and when we are thankful, right, we point our own hearts and we point the hearts of others to a God who really can change lives. A few years ago, As the pastor at Avalon Missionary Church in Fort Wayne, I had a couple whose marriage was on the rocks. Their marriage relationship was in the worst place that I have ever seen a marriage relationship. And as a pastor, I have seen some in very bad places. It's the only time in my 21 years of pastoral ministry when I came home to my wife after meeting with this couple who were very close to us. We met them actually in childbirth class for our first kid. And he's 21, so we've known them for a while. But their marriage was, I said to Leanne, the first time ever, the only time, in all of my ministry I've said it, I said, it's done. There's no hope. It's uh, It's over. She had already she had already signed a lease in an apartment. She was planning to move out of the house in a few days. She had filed the divorce papers uh, with the courts, and they were waiting simply for, there's a time, a threshold of time in there that they have to wait for the process to play out, and that's where it was. And he was heartbroken over what it was, and she was angry, and this thing was done. And I said to Leanne, I said, there's no hope Which is pretty weird, because I'm kind of an optimist, and most of the time, if there's just that tiny shred of hope i'm gonna cling to it i said there's no hope two days later dave called me and i can share his story they've shared their story in our church so as to be thankful and reveal the power of a god who did a miracle in their marriage two days later dave called me and he said keith you're not going to believe this but she's um she's changed her mind he said she's a different person She's canceled the lease on the apartment. She has uh, begun the process of canceling the divorce paper. She wants wants to to put this thing back together. She wants to be reconciled. She wants to grow in our married life together. I said, Dave, are we talking about the same lady that I just met with a couple days ago? And he said, yeah. I I said, for real? I mean, this is a pastor. I tell people that God can do this. I'm like, for real? Are you kidding me? And he said, no, for real. He said, she's moving back in and and, and the exciting thing is that, that their marriage has, has never been in a better place than it is today. And she just came back from a mission trip to the Dominican Republic yesterday with a group of people who were there to make a difference for Christ in what they were doing. I can tell you there is no explanation for what has happened in their marriage together than the power of a God who can bring pools and springs of water in the parched land of the desert like he did in their life. God can do that. And that would simply be the second key point that I would want you to remember from today. Thankfulness strengthens our faith and it inspires hope by recalling God's awesome works for his people. Right? That's the other part of that key refrain. Right? It celebrates, let them give thanks for God's unfailing love and for his wonderful, the wonderful works that he has done. On behalf of mankind, right? Because it's not only, not only do these things reveal his nature, not only God is, but also that God does. And so thankfulness for, right, reminds and calls to mind some of those moments, stories like I just told a few minutes ago, stories about a grandfather who is healed, stories about how God is working, helps inspire our faith. It reminds us, right, that the same God, to use Pastor Earl's phrase earlier, the same God who was at work in each of those situations is also at work in the challenges, in the struggles, in the hopelessness, maybe, that I feel in the moment today. The same God is, not only that God is, but God does, and God will, right? That's the hope element in all of this. So, thankfulness to God for the wonderful works that He has done is not just kind of a sappy exercise that we do to feel better, about the things that we have or the things that we've experienced. But it plays a much more critical role. Thankfulness really matters, right? Because it unveils for us and for the world who God is and what God has done. And secondly, by doing so, it stirs our hearts with a sense of faith and confidence and hope about what lies ahead. Because that same God is going to do the do similar things. He's going to unleash his power in the kinds of miracles and and big and at times small that happen in our everyday lives. It's not just that God is, but that God did and that God will. And this is one reason why testimonies like you'll share together next week are so vital to what happens in the life of the church because these testimonies serve that very function. They unveil right before us who God is and what God has done. Thankfulness really matters because it strengthens our faith and inspires our hope. Faith and hope for some of the normal, mundane, every time, everyday things of life and thankfulness and hope, particularly in some of the darkest moments we've ever seen. And with this, I'll close. Some of you are familiar with a hymn that came From the pen of a man who you would think would be the most unlikely person to pen a thanksgiving hymn. German pastor Martin Rinkart served in the walled town of Eilenburg in Germany during the horrors of the Thirty Years' War back in 1618 to 1648. That was a little bit before I was born. And Eilenburg became an overcrowded refuge for the surrounding area. All the fugitives suffered from the epidemic and, and from famine, from illness and disease. It was... It was a terrible season. At the beginning of 1637, the year of what has come to be called the Great Pestilence, there were four ministers in the city of Eilenburg. One of them abandoned his post to go move to a healthier area because he didn't want to get sick like some of the others were, and he could not be persuaded to return. Pastor Rinkhard himself officiated at the funerals of the other two pastors, which left him as the only minister in town. As such, he often conducted services for as many as 40 to 50 persons a day during that year. All total, some 4,480 people. In May of that year, his own wife passed away from the same illness, and by the end of the year, they were having to bury many of the refugees in trenches without services for single individuals, but as groups, it was that bad. And yet living in a world. Dominated by Death, Pastor Rinkert wrote the following prayer, which you may recognize for his children to offer to the Lord. Now thank we all our God, with hearts and hands and voices, who wondrous things hath done, in whom this world rejoices, who from our mother's arms hath led us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. That, my friends, is why thankfulness really matters because it reveals who God is and it inspires faith and hope that will sustain us in him in even the darkest moments of life. That's why thankfulness really matters. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you not just in general, or not just as an empty exercise, but we thank you for the great works that you have done for mankind, for what they revealed about who you are and for how they inspire our faith and hope. And so we pray, God, that in the coming week, that's the function they would serve in our lives, that as we gather with friends and family and we share what we're thankful for and who we're thankful to, that it might be exactly that that happens in our hearts, that our faith is inspired, and our hope is secured. And that as we gather here as this church next Sunday, that the same might be so true, that you might be glorified, and, uh, and that the faith and the hope of this people, God, might be secured in confidence in who you are. For we pray it in your name. Amen.
0: Amen.